I went to go pick up a, a TV yesterday, right? Because uh, we I bought a TV online, got a good deal and everything, and uh, so I had to turn around because I left the paperwork in the other car. So I turned around on the most narrow road in America, and right in my blind spot hit a mailbox, and that like scratched the car all the way to the to the metal. Oh, and so Jackie. Um, she went to the place to get a quote to see, you know, how because you can't let it rust out, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. she went to a place to get a quote, and they said 400 bucks, and this, like, because they got to do the whole panel and everything, and, ugh, $400. I don't know if that's right. I'm going to go get another quote from somebody else. But she was having problems finding the place, and, like, the place is called Highway 59 Collision, but it's on Highway 36, so you can see how that would be difficult to find. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Man, well, I mean, your kids don't have to go to college, do they? No, that's optional. I mean, and really, college by that time is going to be free anyway because of taxpayer money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome to Marvel 616 Politics, episode 15 with Andy Kirby and Jared Mann. Well, how are you doing today, Jared? I'm I'm doing great. I, I wish I wasn't though. I, I'm sad that my friend is so upset about the car. That uh, stinks, man. Dude, I know. All my excitement about the TV was taken out of like I couldn't even watch Lost in a happy way. I uh, I was like, oh great, I got this deal on the TV, and all the money I was gonna save plus more now apparently is gonna go to fix the car. The guy <laughs> did. The guy did say though, like. You know, it'll last for a while, but eventually it will rust out. So I don't know what kind of choice I have. Well, today is tax day. Are you getting anything back that you could pay for it? Dude, I already got all my stuff back, and I already paid bills with it. Oh, okay. So I got all my stuff back in February, and and we paid bills, and then the rest of the stuff that uh, we didn't pay, we, we used to go visit you, my friend. Okay. Oh, so now it's a guilt trip. Yes. Your tax refund uh, was spent on me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure I I can afford it. I just, you know, it kills you, $400. Sure, you weren't expecting it. Yeah, and besides, you know, I'm independently wealthy, so, you know, that's why I do the podcast, because I got extra time on my hands all the time. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And time is money, so that all adds up correctly. For real, man. Well, whatever, whatever. All right, so what do we got on the agenda today? What's it? What, what's new with you? What's? How have you been? Good. I did my taxes today. You did them on the last day. I did. <laughs> do you always do them on the last day? What? Do you always do them on the last day? Well, you know what? Uh, we always owe. So I figured, you know what, the government takes my money all year long. They're going to wait until the absolute last minute for me to give it to them. Wait, why do you always owe if you don't mind me prying? Uh, Because Jennifer and I have, well, we have our own business, so we don't take taxes out of our own business. Uh, We have to pay for that. Uh, And then we have a couple other jobs that um, are smaller part-time jobs, um, like some some contract work. Uh, And so when we're contracted, you know, they don't take taxes out of that. So... We always owe Uncle Sam 
more. So that's right. what we do. I think to the last day, it's just my way of sticking it to them. Yeah, stick it to the man. Have you filled out your census stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I put, uh, you know, what color I was, and I put whether I, I own my home or not because that was uh, there was a purpose for that, right? What? Are you serious? You did fill those out? Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I read your your um, your brother's blog about it, and I was like, that's right. That's not right. And then I still did it. So You know what? I didn't even read his blog about it. He had a post about that? Yeah, he did, because he was just saying that there's no reason for that information to be needed, and that he called the Census Bureau, and they couldn't really answer him. Really? It makes sense. You don't need to know what color I am. You don't need to know my race, and it doesn't matter if I own my home or not. All you need to know is that my wife and I live here, and that's it. That's all you need to know. When was the deadline for that? Oh, I don't know. Did you send in yours? I can't comment on that oh. right now. <laughs> edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, um, well, Jackie's been on my case about that as well. So, um, <clears throat> I'm sure I'll get it in. I mean, the, the worst thing they're going to do is come to your door and, and knock and say, hey, you haven't filled this out. I think the worst thing they can do is slap you with a $100 fine. But since we've already established that I'm independently wealthy, then, you know. There we go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and again, your kids don't need the college, so take that money and put it towards the car, and you find from the government. Exactly. And actually, all the money we're bringing in with this podcast, that'll help pay for it. <laughs> By the way, uh, politic, we are making nothing from this podcast. <laughs> money. <laughs> if any government official is listening right now, we don't owe you for this podcast. In fact, we're in the hole, so... <laughs> yeah, is there a way that we could claim this? Yes, there's gotta be. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's illegal, but I'm sure there is. I mean, a website, a phone number, all the time and research we put into it. Oh, yeah, definitely. The ad, you know? <laughs> the ad, oh, yeah, that set us back. Phew, that was my money that went to Haiti. For that. This was <laughs> <laughs> Those poor Haitians, they didn't get that. Actually, no, I do feel sorry for them, but I still think there's so much corruption going on that I haven't decided who to give my money to yet. Uh, we just give it to our church. and they're, they're pretty much not corrupt, you know? Well, your church might not be. No, you're right, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> does, does your church send money, or have they sent money to Haiti? No, uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I failed to see your point then. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying they, uh, they're a good church, though, so we'll give them money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our listeners are out there. Our listeners are out there right now going, why would you give money to a church? Would you like to explain that? Why would I give money to my church? Yeah. Oh, well, because, you know, uh, the Bible talks about tithing and uh, giving a tenth of your wages back to him uh in the least you know so we give a tenth of our money back to our church help support you know the community and make sure the church continues to run that's but that's the least that god asks of us so that's what we do so you do the least is that what you said that's the least that god's asked of us so that's what we do <laughs> no that's the least that god asks of us you know he asks for so little <laughs> I'm just teasing you. 
We do the bare minimum. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> so hey, we had a we had one question uh, <laughs> from our Facebook. Actually, we had a, a few questions. Which is fantastic. But one specific question from our good friend Michael, who is in England and who just had a birthday and who was apparently writing on our Facebook very drunk. Oh, wait, no, we didn't give out our contact information. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, All right, this, this is the Marvel 616 Politics Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. We don't have a, a, a channel logo up yet. I'm still working on that with the the posterous guys but um you can find us on itunes you can email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com you can um also visit our website and we're going to have a new and improved website if i can find time to work on it at marvel six or yeah marvel616politics.com and uh on twitter at 616 Politics. And we got a, a few followers and some good interaction on there. What else? Uh, you can give us a holla. Holla! At uh, <laughs> 616-755-PINA. You can call and leave us a message. Uh, say whatever you like. Ask a question. Leave us a comment. Tell us, you know, that we should pay our taxes earlier. Whatever you want to say. Or you can look us up on Facebook at Marvel 616 Politics. Uh, it's Facebook.com slash Marvel 616 Politics. Got a lot of good discussions up there, pictures posted almost on a daily basis. Uh, we try to interact with everybody that writes something, so definitely uh, join us there, too. Yes, definitely. So is that um, 616-755-TINA, as in the famous Tina Turner? It, it is. How did you know that? You know, I have a I have a friend who is really into Tina Turner. Is there any news? Is she going to go on a world tour again or no? She's laying low, laying really low right now. Haven't heard very much. Because I know last time we were recording, she there was a rumor out there. That... I know she's because she made that comment at a fashion show and just kind of set us all off. <laughs> well, maybe it was just fashionable. It might have been. I mean, it is fashionable when you're seven seventy to do multiple world tours. You know. I know a lot of seventy-year-olds. No, I don't. But hey, she's amazing. She's pretty much. She's like a superhero. Unto herself. I think you're right. She, If she just put her underwear on the outside and had a cape, she would be like Super Tina. <laughs> Are you referring to Doug Funny from Nicktoons? Quail Man? Oh, no. I hated Quail Man. What? I like Quail Man. What? Oh, Doug was so annoying. <laughs> no, you're lying. Are you serious? No. Oh, yeah. It was like... The music just kind of killed it for me. It was like a bunch of like spitting noises, like boop, 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 boop. it was awful. I I can't I can't believe you don't like that. I mean, Patty Mayonnaise, Mosquito Valentine, no. No, all their junior high it was. Hey, Jared, when you grow up, are you gonna marry Patty Mayonnaise? No, you douchebag. My name is Jared Mayo, not Mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> People asked you that. That was the big joke at junior high, and I was like, "You guys are losers." <laughs> I would have never thought of that. Maybe, maybe I'm taking stupid pills, but I would have never thought of that. Were you a big Doug fan? Oh yeah, man! I went to his movie. 
Doug's oh. first. I was a sophomore wow. in high school, and I saw Doug's first movie. It was fantastic. They were trying to find the nematode. Okay. Right. I didn't see the movie. What? Whatever. I hated the show. Why would I go see the movie? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that I was supremely disappointed because the title, Doug's First Movie, sort of implies that there's going to be more. And I haven't seen any more in quite some time. Hmm. That's a good point. Yes. I, I know. I know it is. Anyway, hey, let's get to our, our Facebook question. Okay. We finally, we finally have enough questions that um, we can answer them online. So it took this long, but I encourage you guys. We might put up a discussion thread on the the Facebook page just for um, you know. I was trying to think of a good segment title, whether it be web lines or something like this. We'll have to decide on it, but. Um, Questions for the uh, hosts, that would be myself and Mr. Jared Mayo, and uh, just to get to know us and what we like about comics, what we don't like, things like that, if it's not obvious already from uh, our episodes. So, uh, first and foremost, I'm going to go with, I will ask them to you and we will take turns answering them. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. John would like to know... He says, hey guys, to you Marvel Masters, can somebody tell me how long Wolverine has had his adamantium back? And I figure that's that's a good question for you, sir, because I have an idea, but... Well, that's actually already posted on our website, and I had updated it right before uh, we started our podcast. Oh, really? I, yes, and I put that, um, I typed up that um, Wolverine got his adamantium back during the 12 storyline in the late 90s after Apocalypse had taken him and turned him into a horseman uh, he gave him adamantium claws again what's the 12 storyline or should I not even ask that well the 12 storyline was something that had started back in the 80s um, where Apocalypse and some others had alluded to there being um, 12 mutants that were going to usher in a new age or be like the saviors or or whatever. It was just going to be these 12 uh, very important figures in time. And um, every, every you know, couple years, you know, you would see uh, talk about the 12 or you would see somebody possibly revealed. And then finally what it turned out is that Apocalypse had to gather 12 mutants. Um, and by gathering them and putting the, using their powers for some kind of machine, he was going to be able to leave his body um, as his vessel was dying, his, his, he was going to take his spirit and go into the body of uh, Nate Gray slash X-Man. And so he gathered the 12, and he had to have his four horsemen of the apocalypse, and uh, he selected Wolverine. I thought he eventually went into Cyclops. He did, because Cyclops like jumped in front of him. Oh. Interesting. I think that's when I really started reading, because... I started reading around issue 400, and uh, they kept bringing it up like, oh, well, Cyclops has been battling N. Sabonur, right? Isn't that his name? Yep. Yes. So I didn't know who that was, and I had to do some research. I was like, oh, Apocalypse. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it was, that was probably like maybe two years before uh, issue 400, maybe about a year 
That was okay. about the right time, yeah. I started reading at um, Poptopia, which was three issue 396, maybe? Very good, yeah. Yeah. Is that right? It is. It's right. Oh, yes! <laughs> I Hey, sometimes I even impress myself. I don't know that much about the X-Men, but hey, when I get it right, I, I'm proud, so... Well, I'm proud of you, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, good. I can't really answer that question. I'm glad you did. Uh, we'll go to the next question. Um, what, is your su- uh, what is your favorite superpower of all time? And I think this is just favorite superpower, not like if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Ah, uh, okay. So why don't you take this one first? Oh, oh. I was going to let you do them all. All right. Uh, what is your favorite superpower of all time? I'm going to have to say probably, I think, I think invisibility is cool or at least morphing into somebody else. I, I really like the mystique thing. Um, I don't think I would like the healing cause I definitely don't want to live forever. So flying, I really don't care about actually teleportation. I'll go with that. Teleportation. Yes. Teleportation because I, you know, long trips, and if you can, if it's like Nightcrawler and you can teleport other people, then I think that would be cool. A good one. Yes. I was going to say, if you ask me next week, it's probably going to be different, so I don't know. But I, I think teleportation would be cool. Either that or invisibility. If I had, if it was, if it was a favorite superpower, it'd be different than, fa- you know, three wishes. So I'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to think of a superpower that actually does already exist. No, I think teleportation would be awesome. That'd be great. Yes. So what is yours, sir? Uh, I think telekinesis would be mine. You could just, uh, you know, do so many different things from flying to moving stuff to whatever. Telekinesis would be a blast. So like Professor X? No, telekinesis like uh, Jean Grey. Oh, okay. All right. So, oh... Oh. Uh. I gotcha. Yeah. Now, Cable doesn't have that anymore, right? Or did he not? He doesn't. Very sad. Yeah, Sad day. He's a very <laughs> limited old man now. I know. Age, <laughs> you know, being 100,000 years old, finally caught up to him. Yeah, who knows what, I mean, he can't, you can't, you know, usually if you forget how old you are, as does happen to me frequently, you can just subtract. <laughs> From the year you were born, you know, from now to the year you were born. But that doesn't work for him, so. (laughs) Anyway, all right, next question. That's ridiculous. All right, why are there three Hulks? Are they the same Hulk that turns different colors, or are they three Hulks? And then there's an added, uh, if I were one, I'd be the blue one. (laughs) And there's a smiley face, so. uh, I'll go ahead and take this question. No, obviously this person hasn't really been keeping up the whole Hulk thing. Not that I blame them, him or her. But, um, no, there are three different Hulks, and we don't exactly know why yet. We do know, I guess we know why. We don't necessarily know how. But um, there's the green one, which we always had, which was the Gamma Bomb. We have a red one now, which is Gamma Radiation and Cosmic Rays. And you know what? I think... I think that's, um, do we know who that is yet, or no? I don't know who it is. I'm pretty sure it's uh, General Ross. Oh, you think? Yeah, mark my words, write it down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then there's 
there's sort of a bomb, which is um, he's the new abomination. So he's blue, I guess. Unless this person is talking about Jeff Loeb's daughter writing the Blue Hulk in the back of the book. So um, that's why a bomb was. I forget how he was made, and it almost doesn't matter to me. I'm with you. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't remember. All right. All right, where did the Green Goblin come from? I thought he was in Spider-Man. So this obviously means um, why is he in the mainstream view and in Siege and stuff. So take it take it away. Uh, well, Norman Osborn had kind of been uh, laying low and, and slowly working his way up. He, uh, he kind of left the whole Green Goblin persona behind him. Uh, he took over the Thunderbolts and then just uh, as, this, as the, uh, the Skrull invasion took over Earth. Uh, Norman was the last was the one to put the the killing blow into the leader of the Skrull army. Um, it was all captured on TV, and he kind of became a hero. And so they gave him uh, they dismantled Shield, and in place of the Shield army, they put the Hammer army, and they put Norman Osborn in charge of it. So that's kind of how he came about to uh, his power in the Marvel universe at this time. Did you say who he stole the information that who who was the um, Skrull Queen from? No, I did not. Do you know who he stole the information from? Yeah. Deadpool grabbed the information from the Skrulls because he pretended to to uh, throw in with the Skrulls and train them, and he was supposed to give the information to Nick Fury, and Nick Fury was supposed to take the headshot of the Queen, and Osborn intercepted it. You're right. I read that about two weeks ago. I bought the trade. Did you really? For yeah. De- Deadpool? Yeah. Uh, it was going uh, It was going for some pretty high prices on eBay, and I found it for cheap. So I was like, hey, I can sell this. <laughs> Did you Have you sold it yet? No, because then the price went down. Oh. I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> so now you have to keep your comic book. That's such a shame. No. Well, it's Deadpool, so I'm happy to get rid of it, but I want to get a return for my money. <laughs> yeah, what is the deal with that, man? Deadpool is everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, it's disgusting. Yes, well, we'll talk about that in, in a bit, I'm sure. All right, let's see. Sure. Um, if uh, if you could look like any Marvel character, who would it be? Mm. Man. Mm. Well, I, see, I don't know. It'd be hard because, you know, like, there's some really hot ladies. <laughs> It'd be nice to look like every day, but I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you choose to look like a woman? Well, no, I'm saying because they're cute, you know. Yeah, but you would be them. Yeah, that's why. If that's why I was finishing my sentence and said, "But I don't want to be a girl." Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong if you do. I mean, that's. I mean. You know, that's a whole other show. <laughs> a different podcast that we're not doing. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I don't know. Pixie's cool, right? I, I, I don't know. All right, go on. Uh, uh, superhero. I don't know. I, like, even though I don't like him, the Sentry. He seems like a pretty stubbly macho guy. I you know, you, I thought you didn't like his long hair. No, dude, I like long hair. I did not know that. Yeah, I used to have long hair, man, and long hair is awesome if it doesn't look nasty. Well, see, I, if I had long hair, I'd have dreads. So, does that qualify as nasty? So you'd be like Doctor Voodoo. Yes. 
No, but white, because I'm white. What's wrong with being black? Nothing. Why would you Why would you say that? Nothing's wrong with being black. Yikes. I'm... I don't want to do this podcast anymore. No. <laughs> no, that's not who I would pick to look like. I'm saying if I had long hair, I would have dreads, but I wouldn't look like him because I'm white. Yes, he. I would... You, you know what? Never mind. You know, now I'm going to pick him just to spite you. <laughs> I was going to say Ben Riley, because he's awesome. But now why Ben Riley instead of Peter Parker? Because Ben Riley's got blonde hair. Mm. And I, when I was younger, I had blonde hair, and now I have brown hair. Okay. All right, I'll give you that one. You can be Ben Riley or Brother Voodoo, and I'll be the Sentry. Fair enough. I, I like that. <laughs> I, I suddenly realized that my my choice seems extremely Aryan. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go with Eddie Brock. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. All right. Um, during Siege and everything, where is Mystique in all this mess? And I, I'm assuming that's from our fan who had our one voicemail so far back in Episode 7. Oh, sweet. Okay. So where is um, where is Mystique in all this mess? Mystique is on the Dark X-Men right now. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's a little limited series that didn't really have a whole lot of bearing, you know, on uh, what was going on, but... That's what she did. She was working with Norman Osborn, and uh, he had implanted her with some kind of device, as, as usual, and <laughs> to keep control of her. And uh, that's what she's doing right now. Now that series is over, and we haven't seen or heard from her, uh, but I'm sure she'll, she's around somewhere. Yeah, but that just ended like a month or two ago, so that's, yeah. it hasn't been that long. I was gonna say she was out in uh, Afghanistan, and Iraq, but I forgot. That's she was on the Dark X-Men. Man, that, yeah, she was on the Dark X-Men, and she was in uh, uh, Utopia crossover also. Yep. Sure was. All right, um, let's see. We'll do, one, we'll do one more. Who do you like least, Mayo? Mark Miller or Jeff Loeb? Oh, like least? How about we turn it into a positive? How do, who do I like most? Out of Mark Millar or Jeff Loeb? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. Uh... Why am I always answering all the questions first? I think you should answer one first now. Okay, who do I like most? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Jeff Loeb. And the only reason why is because, well, there, I guess there's two reasons. Jeff Loeb, I like him more because uh, he did Spider-Man Blue, which is amazing. It's not necessarily in continuity, but it's uh, I cry every time I read that. Um, I guess not cry, tear up. I tear up every time I read that. <laughs> Ball like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my dreads. <laughs> that's how. That's how I twist my dreads with my tears. <laughs> and um, also because Mark Millar is just so extreme and so bloody most of the time and gory, and uh, he's just out there. You know, I, I don't. I don't need that all the time. Okay. Uh, how about you? Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Millar because uh, didn't he write like the first 12 issues of the uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man? Yes, he did. And then it got passed to Reginald Hudlin. 
yeah, well, don't don't go. Let me go there. You know? <laughs> but I definitely I like those issues. I remember just reading them individually, uh, and then just being like, you know, there weren't many many issues, many series or anything that like I read the issue and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got, I can't wait till the next one. And with that series, when it came out, it, it was one of those for me because it was so many of, you know, Spider-Man's gauntlet of, of rogues, you know, and, uh, you know, what was going to happen with Aunt May. And so at that time, you know, I got to give props to Mark for that. Are you serious? You liked that story? I did. You didn't like it? No. I it, I told you. It's like Old Man Logan where he's like, okay, let, what if this happened? Now what if this happened? Now what if this happened? Then he's like... <laughs> Oh, figure figure out the details for yourself, and it, it never ends. There's no there's no story arc. It's all a bunch of escalating details, and then all of a sudden, there's no climax. There's no end to it. There's no resolution. Hey, did you see the choices that you gave me? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. I have one more question with choices. Okay. Which team? <laughs> all this all this said was which team? X Men or Avengers? X Men. Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts? And Runaways or Young Avengers? Runaways. Ah, pretty good. And now your turn. Um, I have been enjoying New Avengers and Avengers... Oh, I, I'm going to have to say, out of the Avengers, if you count the New Avengers, I'll pick Avengers over X-Men. Um, I'll pick Dark Avengers over Thunderbolts, and I'll pick Runaways over Young Avengers... But it had to be early Runaways. Young Avengers was well written. The first uh, the first twelve issues really good, uh, and Runaways was good. I don't know. I don't know. I might change. I'll go Young Avengers. The question the question wasn't which series. The question was which team. Okay. Right. So that's what I mean. That's what I was basing mine off of because right now X Men sucks, but I like their team better than the Avengers. Okay. Well then. You know what they, I'm saying? Yes. Oh, that might change things. Okay. Ooh. Okay, yeah, I'll go with Avengers. Yeah, Dark Avengers and Young Avengers. Oh, no, and Runaways, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's cool. All right, guys, keep the questions coming. We'll answer the ones uh, that we can save that. All right. You want to move on to current events? Oh, wait. Before we go to current events, all right, let, let, let's talk about something real quick. Did you read Captain America, Black Panther, Flags of Our Fathers, number one? No way. Dude, read it. It is, it's Reginald Hudlin, but it is the best portrayal of Black Panther I've ever seen. And it's it's really a good read. Mm. So pick it up. Uh, yeah, I totally just was like, pass, huge pass. The art, the art's it's okay. On fire. The art's all right, but um, you were definitely right about Spider-Man Fever. You were definitely right. It was <laughs> horrendous. The writing was terrible. The art was terrible. The colors were awful, awful colors. But I'm telling you, Captain America, Black Panther, Flags of Our Fathers, number one, is. I would go so far as to say it's phenomenal. Oh well, you don't get that too often. No. Not, not from me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on, piggybacking on that, did you read Doom War number two? I did. Okay. What did you think? Uh, I don't know. I was kind of left 
underwhelmed. Still? Uh, just the ending. I was like, oh. You know? <laughs> like, hmm. Okay. Okay, so what did you what did you think happened to do more number two at the end? Because I wasn't sure. I thought that he just disappeared or he... Right? Yeah. Did... Yeah, that's what I thought because, you know, Doom says farewell to Chala. The game has been most satisfying. T'Challa runs to the, the side and, like, hits a button. And then on the next page it just says checkmate and T'Challa's looking at an empty area right i couldn't understand what was going on there but i have to say the the plot and the, I, I actually i love the art in this the art was really good it's different but it's really good yeah the and but see the like we talked about last time um this art is so crammed together there's so much going on in this that the artist is i mean uh, assuming that he he didn't have a choice and he had to put this much in he did a really good job with what he had. And uh, Nightcrawler and Wolverine just looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought it was really well done. The The only part with the art um, was kind of like the big group scenes where all the people are fighting. Um, and then with having so many of the same colors of doing reds and browns and yellows, it just kind of mixed up everybody together. Yeah. But the art was just awesome. And, and you're right, like the depiction of Nightcrawler was... That's who I think of as Nightcrawler, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to get your feel on that. We weren't gonna, we're not gonna review that today slash tonight, but uh, I thought that was good. I, I really was interested last time. So, all right. Well, we'll go on to our current. Current, you good? What do we got? <laughs> what do we got on the uh, docket here tonight? We're going to be looking at Uncanny X-Men 522. Uh, we recognize that 23 is already out, but some big stuff happens in 522. We'll probably we're we'll gonna, probably touch on 23, but we're going to we'll walk through 22. Okay, we're going to hit up X-Men Second Coming and Shield Number 1. Shield Number 1. All right. <laughs> I was waiting for that book to come out. Did you read that? You read it, right? Uh, I perused it. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Come on. You... I perused it. All right, whatever. It's spandex and nobody I recognize, so it's kind of hard to to do that. Whatever, you disappoint me. I know, I'm just a failure. How can we go back and forth about it if you haven't even read it? Actually, while we review it, there was so little, so few words, you can actually read it as we go through it. So. Honestly, man, it was on the docket to read today, and then I was like, oh, i got to do my taxes. So I promise it was on the schedule of things to do at work. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so you chose Uncle Sam and uh, work over me? I know. Uh, no, just Uncle Sam. Not very much work, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Whatever. All right. You, uh, you want to go first? You Let's start with Uncanny uh, X-Men 22. All right. Let me grab it. Um, I could probably summarize the whole issue in like three three sentences if you want me to. You do whatever you feel like you need to do. All right, so um, Magneto brings Shadowcat back, and uh, she's, she just phases at the end. She's not solid. All right, you want to do S.H.I.E.L.D. now? <laughs> no, this one, I had a lot to say about this one. Oh, okay. Well, obviously you liked it better than I did. No, I, I actually didn't. First of all, what did you think of this, the covers? 
All right, the cover sucked. <laughs> Both of them? I hate the word sucked, but I, there's nothing else I can say for it. So I don't understand. Okay, so far in this uh, podcast, you've said sucked and douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we're not done. I've got more good words. <laughs> okay. What didn't you like about this cover? Dude, she's riding a bullet like a like a a chick riding on a mechanical bull in a bar. Okay. Not that cover. That's the variant cover. <laughs> the, oh. The real cover. Sorry, some of us have the variant cover. <laughs> in the, I mean, in the real one, it's just a typical Dotson picture, like a bunch of thick lines, characters posed, looking up at a big brunette head. <laughs> it's like nothing, nothing uh, earth-shattering or anything. But, um... You tell me now. Your turn. Go. <laughs> this cover's fantastic. Because, because the way Wolverine's drawn and the the uh, reflection lines on Colossus and Iceman, and I thought that Kitty Pride was probably some of the best artwork that Terry Dotson's ever done. Uh, I don't. I, I just thought it was. I just thought it was great. How do you? How can you not like Dotson? Every I like Dotson sometimes, but this cover, everyone looks like they have gas. Look at Wolverine and Colossus. Like, they're like, oh my gosh, I should have had those reed fried beans. Cyclops has the same face. Uh, look up at Pixie. Uh, Rogue. They all look like they got gas or they had some bad nachos. Okay, let's move on. All right, the, first, the, the variant cover, <laughs> the variant cover I, I thought was good. I don't like the concept behind it, but I thought the actual artwork was good. Oh, yeah, it was beautifully drawn. The color, like, the color is a bit beautiful shiny. picture of of Kitty. Beautiful. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to her being a major player, not necessarily in the Second Coming story, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting to know her because I really haven't had a chance to to get to know her in the last hundred issues. She hasn't, if I recall anything. I mean, she hasn't really. There was more about Stacy X than there was about Kitty Pride. Yeah, because like when you got in. To the comics, she was an extreme X Men. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I haven't read that because it's Chris, hey, Chris Claremont. Hey, you watch yourself. <laughs> but she really wasn't even in that a whole lot because she was off in college and stuff. Like Colossus had died, so she left, and uh, she did her thing on the X Men for a little bit, and then she left to go to college, and she came back in extreme. And then as soon as that was done, she was basically just in Astonishing. And that came out so sporadically that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Kitty Pride for you to get to know. Yeah. Astonishing started out good, but yeah. I, I don't even know if they're going to finish the current story. Have you heard that? <laughs> What's going on? Well, it's about Storm, right? And it's about yeah. some sort of... Do you realize that that story started before Necrotia and it's only been two issues or three issues into it and it's still not done? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And they're rebooting Astonishing. They're having Astonishing Wolverine and Spider-Man and Astonishing X-Men, which are supposed to be be parallel in in canon, but still not, like, major? Or I don't understand what that's supposed to be. Yeah, like, self-contained but in canon... But not necessary read, but 
it is astonishing, so you have to buy it, you know, kind of like that. Right, and it's not necessarily in the in the correct timeline, right? I mean, Wolverine and Spider-Man, how many stories can you do with the two of them? <laughs> yeah. I mean, do they work together all the time? That I, I was under the impression that Wolverine and, and uh, they didn't like each other. But they're Marvel's two biggest people, so we slap them in a comic, say it's a new uh, line of comics that are cool, cutting edge, throw a Cubert brother on there, and you got instant money. Fantastic. All right, so they're uh, hurrying out Spider-Man and Wolverine together. <laughs> That's nothing new. <laughs> Put them together. All right, let's get back to this god-awful book. All right, Uncanny 522... Uh, you know, Kitty's riding through space in a bullet. Uh, one of the cooler parts of the issue is uh, goes back to how Magneto found out that she was in the bullet. Uh, she, he was up in space with a high evolutionary working on getting his powers back when he sensed the bullet in space. Uh, so that kind of gave a little bit of background as to why Magneto's the one trying to bring her back. Um, so Magneto's trying to bring her back. Cyclops and Emma are trying to figure out why he's in this this state and he's you know he's comatose and he's bleeding and he's got a shield around him they can't figure it out um but then they you know angel flies in and, and says that she's coming back it's it's shadow cat and uh so immediately cyclops rounds up the troops to to get everything prepared uh from getting dr reyes to attend to magneto's needs to getting nightcrawler to provide teleportation back and forth and getting the x team is, is that what the, the x team or the x club X-Club. X-Club, yeah. Yeah, getting the X-Club um, all together to, to figure out how to shield this bullet from destroying Earth, not only destroying Earth, but to block it so people don't see it and have a, a worldwide massive panic attack, um, as well as he's also, you know, alerting Colossus, Wolverine, Psylocke, and Phantom X as they're returning from a mission uh, of what's going on that Kitty's back. Uh, so he and, and you know you get to see a couple little players that you don't get to see. I mean, basically this is the Cyclops and Emma book. You know that's not really a debate. This is a Cyclops and Emma book, guest starring the X Men. Um, but you get to see a lot of smaller characters that you don't get to see on a monthly basis, like Box and Danger. Uh, you get Doctor Reyes coming back into the fold. So I mean, for that, you know, I, I'll give points there because they get to see some of these people that are on the X Men or on Utopia that are never really around you know this is, um, this is stupid it's stupid I, i'm trying to find some positives okay <laughs> no but i mean just like you're like oh okay it's exactly what you're saying but everybody's out of character yeah. I mean, scott and emma might be in character magneto's totally out of character i mean he, i know that he's trying to develop him into a different character uh but i i don't see him doing this just the random looking guys and oh the art I, I did not like this art because they're they're again they're trying to cram so much in and if you look at the difference between this and Doomore, the Doomore art where the, he had to do so many panels was good, but this is like ah it's just mediocre, you know, it's not like I guess it's not terrible. But some of this stuff it looks like two different artists in the same page. Well, well, let me just let me just finish reviewing it real quick because I'm gonna talk about the art too. Okay, all right. I, 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 another plus, I guess, is that the Fantastic Four were in there. Uh, anytime that an issue can show cohesiveness in the Marvel universe, besides like throwing Deadpool in and showing that he lived in every title, 
I thought that was cool. Anytime oh. you can see something like that. Okay, we talked about this before. Remember when they were saying uh, in Siege number t- three, where uh, you know the Fantastic Four was there and Scott was there, and they just did clips of each person. Yeah. And you thought that was cool and stuff, and I said, well, it kind of cheapens it, but but yes, I understand it makes it a political event. But this, I did not like this at all because then they're like, okay, well, we'll show somebody else because somebody has to realize this, not just the X-Men, right? Which, what, reading this whole thing, I was like, wait a minute, they're going to bring this bullet back. They're not going to tell anybody. No one else knows about it. This is impossible. This is ridiculous because the smartest people in the world are not the X-Men. And Beast isn't even there anymore. So <laughs> then, like, then I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, this is, they're unilaterally putting the entire Earth at risk, whereas if it was anybody else in there, they'd be like, oh, we don't have, I don't know, we have to take our chances, we need to shoot it down, and they just have to pray that she phases through and lands on Earth, but they need to shoot it. You know, and they he tried, Fraction tried to explain that, oh, we didn't have time, but the time we see it, it's already going to be doomed, so we'll just cross our fingers and hope that Kitty's safe and the world is safe. But no, if the, the real X-Men would say, we need to sacrifice our own person to, you know, and, and they would stop Magneto. They were trying to get Magneto out of this thing to say, stop bringing this back. You're putting the entire Earth in jeopardy just because you want to say you're sorry or, you know, say thank you or whatever. And ah, it's just so, they would not do this. Yeah. They would not do this. And then when they, you know, Fantastic Four is like, Oh, it's okay, but next time, don't do it again. Yeah. (laughs) That's ridiculous. They added the Fantastic Four in there kind of just as a play, you know? Like, I don't think it helped the cohesion in the Marvel Universe at all. Like, this one story, if Second Coming wasn't coming up, this one story should have been a a six-issue arc. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to return one of Marvel's main ladies to the stage... You know, you you can't do it like this. I would definitely, I would definitely say at least four issues because you can pace it out. You can say, you know, you can get the governments involved and say, okay, you know, give us a chance. We think we can bring it in and develop this a little bit more. You can't just. I was so astounded at how they were putting the lives of people on Earth at risk for for a chance, and they were like, well, it'll either blow up the entire planet, which it was originally intended to do. But in Astonishing X Men, or she might just phase it through and we'll get lucky. Yeah. Uh, it. Anyway, whatever. Uh, that I was reading this, I just it blew my mind. I was like, I cannot believe that this is ridiculous. But ultimately, she makes it back to Earth. You know, she makes it back. Uh, unfortunately, though, only you know she falls out of the bullet. She phases out of the bullet onto the ground, lands on the ground, and gets up. And her feet work on the ground, but when she goes to hug Colossus, she phases right through it. I know. I thought that, too. I thought that, too. So, apparently, just her feet work and part of her back for when she fell. The rest of her is intangible. And uh, the issue ends with her in this containment this cell. And I don't know. I know that you just kind of got into some of the books later, you know, in your... Uh, adolescent life but there was a mini series called fantastic four versus the x-men back in the 80s did you ever read that no all right well kitty is injured shadow cat is injured during the mutant massacre and she becomes totally intangible she's phasing and slowly she's going to just dissipate into the earth 
and so the X-Men have to get Reed Richards to help her, and they end up having to get Dr. Doom to help, and they put her in a containment center that looks exactly like that one because she can't, you know, because she's just phasing all over the place, and then ultimately, you know, she gets fixed. So as soon as I saw this and saw that she's phasing through Colossus and she's in this containment center, I was like, dude, why are we repeating 1986 all over again? It's like the exact same thing. That was a huge disappointment. Like, you're going to bring her back and just replay a storyline that's, you know, 25 years old. So that really sucked. And then, uh, so we've got that going on, and then all these little clips. It's like three pages at the end of the issue to just show you all the other X-Men there on Utopia, just to prove that, hey, even though uh, we're not showing you anybody else, there are other people on the island. It was like the stupidest thing. Yeah, I and by that point I think I had stopped reading. I mean, but what like what's the point of having this whole issue and then a fourth of a page shows Phantom X bringing Psylocke flowers and she's smiling, and then a fourth of a page showing Dazzler wave to the cameras as North Star puts someone in a police van, and Iceman and Angel playing basketball, and Pixie and Nightcrawler in the church. What was the point? We already know that these characters have no meaning to you unless. Cyclops needs them. They're conveniently there to teleport or provide this tool or that tool. It's just such a sham. I I guess it's I guess it's to show us that life is going on, and maybe it's a time reference. But then you know, Nightcrawler was feeling um, you know threatened by Pixie, and so they're getting along. And then you know, who is that? Boom Boom? Is that who that is? No, that's Dazzler. Oh, that yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So Dazzler's, you know, settling in. Things are getting back. You know, the old team's back together. But Scott is still brooding because everybody's moving on. But he knows that, you know, he's still worried about Hope and Cable. Well, I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I can, I can see its point. But again, that's like a whole... I would have liked to have seen another issue, I guess. Dude, and then the backup story. Did you even read that? Yeah, I did. I did not understand what was going on there. It was just like a point to prove that Kitty did more than, you know, save Earth. She saved other planets by phasing the bullet through, is what I was assuming it meant. Yeah, but who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Use the rest of that issue to devote to this awful story that you just got done telling me. Yeah. I I mean, if you were given that many pages, span it out over that many pages. (laughs) Yeah. Why would you waste it on this? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the art was a real disappointment because I've always liked Portacio's art. He he started off on Uncanny X-Men um, right when the team split to the blue team and the gold team. Oh, a long uh, time ago. Yeah, yeah, like 91, 92, 93. Uh, he was doing the art back then, and it was always really um, like sketchy looking, but I, I really enjoyed his take. And it's good that, you know, as an artist, you grow in your style and you get better. But this just was not better. It was like, I felt like he was trying to do a cheap knockoff of Greg Land in a lot of his different images. It just looked so posed and fake. And I just, his Nightcrawler looked awful. I just was really disappointed with the art. Yeah, Nightcrawler didn't look that well. I mean, the art is hit and miss on some of these. The, the Let's see, the first page where Kitty has a tear and she's touching the bullet, I'd say that uh, that's fantastic art right there, and that's something I really like. 
But then later, like the cow and Emma, every time Emma's drawn, it's just terrible. And, <laughs> you know, and I don't, I would wager to say that that's not just preference. That actually is, you know, the quality of the artwork was suffering. And I think it's probably because he had to cram so much in there. He didn't have enough time to do detail. I mean, really, if you do one page, well, I don't know. I'm not an artist. But, like, if you're given one page and you say, okay, well, there's four panels on this page, that's a, you know, a medium amount of work, um, you know, to do. But then if you say, okay, there's eight panels, then that that's double the work. But, I mean, I guess there's a breaking point. So if you say it's a one-page, you know, it's a two-page splash page, that takes a long time, too. So I don't, I don't really know. But, you know, I, it just feels like there's so much in here. Like, why did we waste a couple panels with the cow and stuff <laughs> you know tell the story anyway whatever i well, again i'll I say it i like the concept but this no well that's where i guess you and i differ then too is because Shadowcat's death was meaningful i just felt like it was one of those where you know Shadowcat put in her time this was a good way for her to go uh i mean ultimately i knew she was going to be coming back because you know, they never showed her die on panel. But, I mean, when you're gone for months at a time, you got no food, you got no water, you got no bathroom. You know, what? what's the explanation there? Right. So, and it was good. It was just nice that, you know, Colossus just came back and he was only around for a little while and Shadowcat was so amazed to see him. I mean, I remember that, that panel of her seeing him in Astonishing X-Men. And he runs right through her when he's captured. Right. Do you remember that or not? But that's just like one of those like defining moments of all you know all time in comic books. I think for me at least. In astonishing. It, yeah. When Kitty goes to the and she finds Colossus as you know he's alive and he's been held. Right. Like in issue three or four or five or six, I don't know. So in a yeah, in astonishing issue twenty four or giant size astonishing X Men, whichever one it was. You know, when she ended up being in the bullet and he had to see her being the bullet and leave and have her basically, you know, leave for her death. It was just kind of like a full circle moment. It was kind of like a, a really interesting way for their, their relationship to finally come to an end. You know, from her discovering him that he's alive to by the end of that, that 24 issue arc, she he has to let her go because she has to go and die. You know, it was just such a good story it had finality to it I, I guess i just really would have wanted it to just end there and had a nice good complete story you know yeah well that's see see right now i think the the common thing is to have so many story arcs and everything and it's all about the plot of the story and it's not about the character development um you can't even say that you know how is kitty and Colossus' story going to end. You know, that they have a story. That's something that I do, I have gained uh, an appreciation for from the, the Claremont era because, you know, he had so many details in there. From what I hear and from other people talking about it and the little bit I've read, there's so much seeded in there. It's like, okay, this person's uh, interaction with this character and how they, uh, you know, interact together and, you know, what is going to come of that. And you can say, okay, so what's their story? What, what's going to happen with them? And you know that eventually, whatever the major story arc is going on, or whatever the plot of the issue, 
you're going to get a little bit of, of character progression in be- between the two of them. And that's kind of what I like about Bendis because he does that throughout all his books. And, you know, he always goes back and tells a, a different side of the story. But here, I mean, this is obvious that Fraction is trying to get to a specific end. He's trying to tell a story that is solely based on plot, plot line, and not uh, a character-developed story. Now, he's doing individual character development, but the relationships between everybody is definitely hit or miss. And if you're going to say that he does any relationships between anybody, it would have to be Scott and Emma, and that's been pretty static the whole time, except for the supposed defection to Osborne. Yeah. I mean, so... It was just over, though. Like, I didn't feel like there was a need to to start up this this story between Colossus and Shadowcat. Her story was done. It was told. Let's leave it, you know? Right. Right. Like, I I hear what you're saying about, you know, what you admire about Claremont is, you know, the interweaving of how people are connected and stuff. But something I always appreciate about Claremont was when somebody died, they stayed dead. Like, when Jean died, she was supposed to be the phoenix, and as Dark Phoenix, she died forever. That's how it was supposed to be. Then editorial came down and said, no, make her a clone, do whatever you need to do to bring her back, because we want her back for X-Factor number one. But that was not Claremont's intention. That's not what he wanted. You know, he killed Magneto in X-Men number three. It, you know, Magneto would have been dead under Claremont's pen. He would have never been back. Right. And, but that's, again, not how it happened. You know, he killed Thunderbird. He never intended for him to come back. And Thunderbird's death has continued to have a lasting effect on the X-Men till today. The same thing with um, Cypher slash, you know, Doug Ramsey. You know, he, he killed him, and he was done. And now he's back, you know? Right. It's just that's, you know, some deaths need to stay dead. It just takes away from the story if some people aren't dying. You know, everybody's coming back. Even Bucky's coming back, you know? <laughs> so I'm just waiting for uh, Uncle Uncle Ben to be back in the next issue of Spider-Man. Oh, man. he you, Did you read that Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man where Uncle Ben came back, but he was, like, from another dimension or whatever? No, he really did come back? Yeah. But, it, I mean, it wasn't really him. It was... It was Peter David, and he was on to something good. I would have been interested on it, but he never got a chance to finish. Oh. So, Mm. anyway, what are you going to do? Yeah, we spent a lot of time on this issue. (laughs) Yes, yeah, we have. But, all right, all right, we'll move on. uh, Let's do uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. number one. So you you weren't thrilled with this at all? Well, I mean, I just just flipped through it and looked around, and I was like, you know, this isn't one I can come back to. All right. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say that I was wrong. I, I thought, I'll admit this, um, I thought that the, the picture of the Galactus that we saw f- probably three months ago, where it says, um, now it's time to save the world, I thought that was going to be the next, the first Avengers storyline. Um, and I thought they were going to have to, you know, defeat Galactus, but he was going to be from the Sentry, right? But yeah. now we know that that picture is actually from Shield, and the 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 uh, quote changed to instead of this is how this, we have to save the world now. This is not how the world ends. Is the tagline. So it wasn't related, and I don't think it's going to come in because Hickman Hickman's stuff has not been meshing at all. Like he's been doing the Fantastic Four, which is okay, 
it's been okay standalone issues, but it hasn't meshed with anything, and it's been pretty outlandish. And uh, I don't know if you've been reading it, but it kind of adds a lot to the mythos of um, Marvel, and it's like bringing in, saying, okay, well, there's this race, and there's this race, and there's this race of aliens and inhumans and mutates and stuff like that that we've never heard of before, but now, like, humanity as a whole has to deal with. So it's pretty expansive stuff that he's doing. And it seems like he's making unilateral decisions that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you can be allowed to do that. So, anyway, uh, the cover was good. It's uh, by Hickman and Weaver, Shield Number 1. It's sort of a spinoff from um, Secret Warriors. He's doing Secret Warriors 2, which is, again, off of its own little world. Um, it was a good meshing of Da Vinci stuff as well as a good feel for secretive and ancient type things. So, what do you yeah, think? It reminded me of, like... Um, the old school Storenko covers. I don't know if you ever saw any of those. He did a lot of the Nick Fury covers back in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kind of reminds me of like a painted version of a Storenko cover. I really like this cover. And uh, one thing I didn't notice on the cover until just now, but you see the concentric circles that are coming over shield and everything? Yeah. Okay, and the periods... Yeah. Those, I think, are representing planets. That's what I was thinking. Yes, I didn't think about that until now. But anyway, all right. Um, we start in New York in 1953. A young man is walking amongst his peers and apparently f from school or something when he stopped in his tracks and he sees something. Uh, he says that his father always told him that they would eventually come for him. Uh, then we see a translucent view of the young man's face next uh, amongst a star screen next to a four-engine prop plane. He was apparently taken to Rome, and from here on out, we tend to see the shadow areas of, his, of the man, i.e. the folds of his clothes and, and uh, what's away from the light, uh, fringe areas of his body made up of a, of a star pattern or a star screen. So I don't know exactly what that means yet. He is led down a quarter mile under the city of Rome to stand before the Undying Ones, the Immortals, the High Council of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of the S.H.I.E.L.D., it says. The young man remembers his father telling him that everything begins with an idea. The council tells him that everything begins with an image. And I'm not sure if these are counter to each other or if they're building off of each other. It didn't seem apparent to me or obvious to me whether or not... Um, they were contradicting each other, or or it was just a, another declarative statement. Anyway, they go on to tell a story of how an Egyptian, Emotep, was the first of the members of S.H.I.E.L.D. by fighting and destroying a brood infestation that landed on Earth via a meteor, meteorite. Uh, he brazenly declares, this is not how the world ends. The High Council explains further that they are a safeguard against the things that would stop us from becoming what we're supposed to be. And I can only assume that it's talking about uh, within the universe or within the solar system. Point of interest. Uh, the star map behind the council with the shield being the sun. Do you see that? Um, let me see. Page 8? Page 9. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are only eight planets on that wall. Now, there's nine planets in our solar system if you count Pluto. But, you know, now we don't count it, right? 
Um, yet, there are more than that if you count further out, which are even bigger than Pluto, and such as Eris and others. Did you know that? Oh, no. Yes, there are other bigger planetoids out there. Uh, my point is that if this wall is ancient, then I wonder if... Um, I wonder if they didn't count Pluto or if it hadn't been discovered yet or if they had it and they chiseled it off the wall when they made their decision that it's not a planet yet or what. Yeah. I, I know this is a comic book, but if, if this was real... Sure. No, no, no. Then, uh, you know, like, is there a purpose that there's not a planet and or did they automatically... Like, did they have foreknowledge to know that, oh, that's not really a planet because of something else? Yeah. So, I mean, because this, seem, this seems to be, I doubt it's going to tie into all the, the space opera we got going on and everything because this seems extremely localized to our solar system. But it seems definitely to have a cosmic feel for something like the fate of humans in the universe. And it's got the star field and everything. Uh, and, you know, the shield and the sun and everything. So I'm kind of interested in that. We'll see where this goes. So, uh, uh, anyway. Another thing I wanted you to see is, if you look on page seven, if you look at the army behind him, of the people, yes, do you see apocalypse. I do. I did not see that the first time, but I uh, a cool little nod to some continuity. Yes, and apparently the first Moon Knight is back there also somewhere. Uh, I don't know where, but I will. I read the Wikipedia entry on this. All right. Oh, okay. And. The Wikipedia entry is interesting. It's really short and to the point, but it says it says um, flashbacks reveal that Shield was founded by Emotep following a battle alongside Apocalypse and the original Moon Knight against the Brood, and it also says that the previous agents, including Zhang Hung, who encountered a Celestial, which the book does not say that, so I don't know where they're getting that from. Uh, Galileo Galilei, uh, who fought Galactus. And Leonardo da Vinci, who is, you know, he flies off in his thing. And then, um, anyway, it, it, it went through all that, and I'll come back to that in a second. I'll, I'll go to mine, because um, I go a little bit more in depth. Okay, the council claims, back to, back to the next page. Okay, the council claims that they have been given this task by God himself, and it's a directive to guard the earth. They ask the young man if he shares this gift, if he knows the final fate of man. He asks, how could anybody know this? And they list off a bunch of stuff like greater science, silent truth, and secret alchemy. And they tell him that he will be the one to stand in the gap, and he will find out. And, and then we find out that his name is Leonid, or Leonide. Uh, we cut to Zhang Hung uh, Palace, or Zhang Hung in the palace of uh, Liu Yong. And uh, he is about to fight something. We can't see what it is, but he says that um, he has the spear of Emotep, but he says that the spear lies in the east while the shield lies in the west. So I went to look up um, on Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, spear, is that another you know branch of shield? And apparently it's not. We have armor, uh, which is the alternate universe one. We have sword, which is the alien one. And then we have uh, shield and maybe one other one. So spear is not listed on there. So apparently we're going to see the spear again in East versus West or something like that. Next, we're off to Florence, 
in 1495 with Leonardo da Vinci, and he builds a machine to take on something that seems to be gestating in the sun. Now, as far as I know, celestials gestate in the planet, right? Nothing yeah. that we know grows in the sun, right? The century. The century. Yes, that's obviously it. <laughs> okay, then in Rome, in uh, 1582, Galileo builds something to take on Galactus. Three years after this, Leonid is visited in an ancient city by his father, who is the Night Machine, uh, who I've never heard of before. I think he's new. He tells him that he was killed and that he came back to show him that no one can dictate his fate, which is so weird. It's it's a contradiction. If you have a fate, then it's already been dictated. So I didn't understand that. But uh, he leads Leonid to a door that can never be opened, and the key was lost for like a 100 or a 1,000 years or whatever. But the Machine Knight has found the key... And he opens the door for Leonid. Leonid walks through the door, traveling to the top of the stairs into a stellar cartography room, while Machine Knight holds off guards and runs across Agent Stark and Agent Richards. Uh, Leonid sees someone land next to him up on the in the tower, and telling him to ring the bell and wake the watch. So, I thought that was interesting. It, when I read this the first time. I had no idea what was going on, and it was so choppy and so disjointed, and so that's why I looked up the the uh, Wikipedia entry. But the Wikipedia entry, it says um, the main story of the first issue in, in in 1953, Shield agents Nathaniel Richards and Howard Stark enlist a young man, which I don't think it ever gave their names. So it's talking about the final fate of man. But then listen to the end of this, okay? I don't know who writes this stuff, but they have inside information. The Night Machine gives Leonid the key to a secret area of the headquarters, saying his destiny cannot be dictated by others. The issue ends with Leonid meeting Da Vinci, who has apparently traveled through time to use his device to save the world. The last page, we we don't see who that is at all, right? Uh, I guess unless we match his boots. I mean, we can go back those couple few pages and look. Well, anyway, I had to check... I had to check to see if this was the end. I was like, "Is it, am I missing pages? What's going on here? Because all of a sudden it's like a picture and then done. So here's what I'm hoping for this, okay? Right off the bat, the uh, the art was pretty interesting. I'm not going to say whether it was good or bad, but it was pretty interesting. It was pretty detailed and ornate, and it was good. The story, I am extremely interested to see where they go because I want it desperately to tie into secret warriors because i was i was so into the leviathan thing until it started getting all weird and then um i'm really interested to see what it has to do with space and time travel and really seeing if if shield really has some sort of mandate on high to protect humans and then also what they do with that mandate because you know, do do they use the the ends justify the means type thing, or are they totally utilitarian, or do they have a definition of good that they say, okay, we're never going to cross this line in order to save the world? Because right now it doesn't look like they do. And the the thing is, Shield Shield's an international organization in um, current continuity, but at one point wasn't it just an American organization? Because I know Hammer, which took it place, is only an American organization, and it's not international. Right? Yeah. So, anyway, I, I'm hoping it ties everything together. What do you think about this? Uh, I'm, I've just never been one for period pieces like this kind of thing. So, it, 
I mean, I, I think the the parts with Moon Knight and Apocalypse and the Brood and the Galactus scene, like those were cool to to see that these guys came around before 1963, you know. Right. But but otherwise, you know, this this is going to have to do a lot more for me to get me interested. Yeah, I thought you would say that. <laughs> we're just, you know, but you and I have different types of stuff. Like a lot of the stuff that you like, I would never read. Like right. the, the Captain America and Black Panther, you know, I'm not even going to give that a, a shot. You know, I just the, told you to. No, I'm, I'm not done with my thought. Oh, oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> but then you tell me, you know, this is why it's so good. Da 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 da. Then says, okay, I'll try it out. You know, but otherwise, it's a period piece about two characters that aren't particularly my favorite people, and it's in a period. You know, it's a period piece. I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about period pieces that are set in the future? I, I usually like future stuff. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just saying because, you. you know, if you go into the future and they, they say this is how it's going to be, see, I don't like the future stuff. I like the past stuff because the past says this is a story you didn't know about and it's not necessarily a retcon, but this is how it all came together, and here's a different aspect or a different way to look at it. The future stuff, they say, uh, it turns out that so-and-so married so-and-so, and they caused the battle, and so, you know, and, and they, everybody got killed and got mad, and now they're all in <laughs> concentration camps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so now you're like, oh, great, whatever happens, I know this is, has to happen, and if it doesn't, like if Old Man Logan doesn't turn out the way that it was written, then I say, well, then it's not continuity. Sure. And so it ruins it for me. Yeah. Which, let's hope that Old Man Logan is not how it's supposed to be. Oh, there's got... I would, I'd love to say that there's more to that story, but there's not. There's less. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so did you have anything else about this? I mean, I, I thought there were a lot of clues in this one that we should have picked up on. I don't know about the headdress that the guys are wearing. That's kind of weird, but... That like looks like Cree, you know. It looks like what? It looks very Cree. Oh, oh. I thought it looked like Alien from the Alien movies. Well, I mean, Marvel Boy when he first debuted, he wore similar uh, headwear like that. That like protruded out that far. Uh huh. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I mean maybe it'll get better. I mean, it sounds like you're really enjoying it, so that's awesome. Well, I I, I think I like the plot better than I like the writing. So, the, you know, sometimes a writer, he has to be a good plotter as well as a good actual writer. And I think that uh, Bendis is a good writer and a good plotter. And then, but I don't think this guy, I don't think Hickman's a good writer. I think he's got some good plots going on, but you know what I mean? Yeah, still struggling a little bit. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. All right, yes. We can move on. Do you want to do another review, or do you want to go into uh, Day of the Union and Tina's? Um, how much time you got? Tell me, I've got time. I, I just wasn't sure how much you had, man. Well, let, let's let's do Second Coming, and then we'll we'll just hit this. We won't talk long about it. And then I want to do some State of the Union. If we don't get to it, then, you know, whatever. All right. All right, so our next review is going to be X-Men Second Coming. 
I think the cover was pretty sweet. And they're kind of, all the covers with Second Coming are kind of done in the same style, you know? Yeah. What did you think of it? It was all right. I, the, the texture is good, but the art itself, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't really like it. The only person who's drawn okay is Hope. I mean, face-wise. Everybody else's face is just, I don't know, distorted. Like, Cyclops looks pretty pudgy. And Wolverine is just this way too symmetrical. Yeah, it's pretty stylized, like very perfect, you know. Right. Kind of stiff in uh in their movements too, all of them. And Hope's hair is too flat. She, where's the volume? She yeah, where, she, doesn't she have does not use Tresemme or whatever. <laughs> Ooh la la. <laughs> all right, go on. All right, so the issue opens very bleak with some cool... I, I like how they stylize this part with the black borders that say one year ago, and you see the Xavier Institute sign buried under some rubble. Um, and then for the next couple pages, it just goes through with pictures of the Xavier Institute in the spring and then leaves in the fall covered in snow back to spring again, and then with some energy appearing and, and cable and hope teleport in uh, to the, the present or whatever. Uh, they're looking around and they realize, you know, that the X Men aren't here anymore. Uh, they got to, Cable says he's got to find Cyclops and the X Men. They got to move. And Hope, Hope finds a picture of the original team and she's, she's just overwhelmed. You know, she just can't believe that, you know, everywhere she goes, she sees death. You know, they finally beat Bishop. They finally, you know, sent him to the future. They don't have to run from any, him anymore. And they're, they're in the, the timeline that they're trying to get to, but nothing has changed. Uh, so she's starting to get upset. Cable wants her to calm down as they're starting to be attacked by the right soldiers, uh, which always I've always liked the right soldiers because they've got these these big smiley uh, helmets, but really they're just like death machines, you know. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of something like outside of the Joker, a Joker book or something. Yeah. So, uh, so they attack, and um, but then we flash back to Utopia. And Cyclops is meeting with the uh, the main X-Men team, um, <clears throat> the leaders, and, and then a couple of the other small fries on the team, and just talking about the, the deaths that have occurred since Necrotia uh, with Selene and losing Diamondback, Meld, and Onyx. You know, by losing three of them, they lost one and a half percent of all the mutant species. Uh, it's just not been good. <clears throat> and then uh, Nemesis says, you know, there's only 181 planets uh, mutants left on the planet. Uh, they can't continue the species within about seven years. Uh, they're just going to be extinct. There's there's nothing that's going to happen. Nothing's going to work. I think it's pretty impressive that they gave us a clear-cut number because people have been speculating about this for a while now. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's too, you know, 181 mutants that they know of that are around, you know. I mean, there's always a way to get to get more people out of it than what they, they're keeping count of, but well, thank you for spoiling it for me. You what? Well, thank you for spoiling it for me. Well, I'm just saying. I was, I was thrilled that they put a number to it, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it doesn't. They gave you 198 and then refused to identify all 198. And then other mutants that you've never seen before pop up, and you're like, well, what? What's going on with this one and that one? And then where do you classify Nate Gray? You know, because he came back. So are there really 182, or are there 180? And they found one. And, you know, how does that work? So you're never going to get a clear-cut answer. I apologize. Whatever. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. 
and uh, Cyclops sends people out um, on their assignments saying that they know what they need to do. Um, one of the assignments is, you know, to, uh, to, to take care of the structural damage and everything. And then as Emma is talking to Cyclops alone, he decides to blast a wall out. And I'm like, dude, you just said to fix the structural damage, you know, keeping the island afloat. And you just blast out walls, dude. I'm going I'm to need you to take some antidepressants or, or something to just calm yourself down. So um, then the, 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 the cuckoos come in and say that they found something, that they've uh, found cable. And uh, Cyclops asks if he's alone. They say that he is alone. But Cyclops knows better and says that he's, uh, he's with hope. So Cyclops quickly dispatches um, various X-Men to various areas. Uh, Domino and uh, Vanisher head off to San Francisco. Namor and Rogue take up doing security duty. Uh, Cannonball and the New Mutants take to the Blackbird and head over to the Midwest. And then he assembles his Alpha roster of uh, Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, X-23, Angel, Magic, and uh, Psylocke, along with uh, with uh, Pixie, to uh, where they to just head out in five minutes. Pixie better die in this. Oh please, please get rid of Pixie. And then uh, we cut back to Westchester with Cable and Hope um, scrambling to, to fight uh, the right. Um, they're just battling, making some small talk, uh, and they uh, end up taking them all out. Cable recognizes the armor but says that it's far ahead of its time, um, that there's something off. And uh, as they, as they uh, are just uh, going through it, the armor, um, they look out and advance up. And it's the Fabian League coming to attack now. So they're going to run again. <clears throat> so then Cable Sig- we're back in Utopia again. Cable Signal disappears from uh, the Cuckoos, which are trying to find out what's going on. And uh, Cyclops and Cable, I mean Cyclops, Nightcrawler and Cable, Night- blah, blah, blah. Nightcrawler and Cyclops have a heart-to-heart about whether, you know, does she really, Hope really is the Messiah. How does he know? Um, what's, he, what's Cyclops thinking? And uh, I thought it was a, a decent conversation, a good characterization there for Nightcrawler and Cyclops, kind of a foreshadowing of that, uh, you know, they're close now, but they're not going to be close by the next issue, you know. Um, but they both agree that they're men of faith as they teleport off to uh, Westchester to get Cable and Hope. Uh, but Cable and Hope are gone as the team arrives. Uh, but Wolverine recognizes, Wolverine recognizes another scent to confirm that Hope is with cable um <clears throat> so then they they cyclops gives them orders that they need to take them out no matter what uh, that the most important thing is this girl because without her we have no future so we cut off the cable and hope uh driving around in a sweet red jeep which is like my ideal car so props to cable for a sweet red jeep he's heading out and now on the interstate or whatever and uh the the uh, the sapien league are driving behind him to attack and in teleport the X-Men Alpha team. And there's a really sweet, uh, I don't know if you've got the issue in front of you or not, but a really sweet double, you know, gatefold page of the X-Men teleporting in to take down the uh, Sapien League. Uh, just like Nightcrawler's foot busting through the window and Colossus taking them down and Wolverine killing the driver. It, it was pretty sweet. I, so I you like this? Right. I, thought, I thought you didn't like Hitch's artwork. This isn't Hitch. It is. Oh, Finch. Finch. Oh, my bad. You like Finch? Oh, uh, Finch is a hit or miss with me. Okay. But I'm liking some of his stuff in this. 
So uh, they just go ahead. Oh, I just said okay. <laughs> no, if it was Hitch, I would have been talking about it at the beginning. <laughs> now, does this, do you, in your opinion, does this look like some Jim Lee stuff? Uh, it reminds me of Mike uh, Diodato when he was doing the Dark Avengers stuff. What? No way. Dude, yeah, look at page 27. That picture of Psylocke um, doing the mind sweep of the person on the floor and Angel and Nightcrawler and Colossus are there. That looks uh, very similar to some Diodato stuff. Maybe. I mean, there are panels that look like Jim Lee because it's, you know, it's got a lot of the, the uh, horizontal black lines for shading and things like that. Okay. Just like tip of very, like, you know, Jim Lee was the man when it came to that. Right. Um, okay. That's maybe what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So uh, Wolverine is, you know, interrogating the the Sapien League and they're refusing to give answers and X-23, like, is a really bloody shot, just comes up and shoves her claws right through the person's head and the person dies. Nightcrawler just attacks her and says, what are you, you know, what did you do? Why did you do this? Uh, and, and Nightcrawler just starts to kind of put it together and realizes that Angel, X-23, and Wolverine have something going on and they're keeping it from the rest of the team and the Cyclops is in on it. So it's like, finally, you know, X-Force is starting to unravel. Right, yeah. After two years, I thought this was, I thought it was going to happen a lot sooner. Oh, me too. Props to them for, for keeping it going that long, you know? Yeah. Doing really good, trying to keep everything hidden. And, and now, you know, Beast has some is concerned, and Nightcrawler's starting to figure out what's going on. Then we cut to a base over in Washington, D.C., and uh, this figure is talking to Stephen Lang, Bolivar Trask, uh, Reverend Stryker, Graydon Creed, Cameron Hodge, and they're all talking about the different their different groups that they belong to and how many people they have, you know, from um, 50 bases, 100 men at each base, uh, 40 armored divisions. Like, they just have, between all of them, they have a ton of people that they're working with. And uh, the last page reveals that they're talking to Bastion, that Bastion has, <clears throat> looks like he's upgraded. He's connected to all this stuff on a wall. Um in a he's, hanging, in, he's in a crucifix pose too. Yeah, he's hanging high up in the air, very similar to you know some. There's some religious symbolism because even in the back, it kind of looks like there's a stained glass wall behind him. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Bastion says the mutant messiah is here and to kill her. So that kind of ends with that, and then the last few pages there's some profiles of some of the main players that are going to be in the second coming. So. Uh, my, my, I mean, I enjoyed this issue because, uh, you know, I like the fight scene with the X-Men at the end. I like the Nightcrawlers figuring out what's going on. Um, Cyclops is putting the different teams into place, you know, of what's going to take place in X-Men Legacy, what's going to take place in the New Mutants, uh, what's going to happen in the main titles. Uh, and, and anytime you got you give me Bastion, Graydon Creed, and Cameron Hodge, uh, Jared is a happy man. So... Uh, <laughs> I, and, you know, I thought the art was pretty decent. It was pretty good. Okay. Uh, I wish, you know, I, I want to see where the rest of the X-Men are in this. Um, some of the X-Men that were in that first meeting room have not been displaced to anywhere. So I'm kind of wondering where everybody is and if they're going to all get their their fair share. Uh, you know, where Shadowcat's going to lead into all this. Um, if there's going to be any more fallout with uh, everything that Celine was doing. You know, still have a lot of questions. Um but I enjoyed this issue. What did you think? 
it was it was good. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand and figure out exactly what's going on. It's kind of tough, obviously, for me. I don't have the who is okay. Cameron Hodge. I thought he was a Spider-Man villain. Nope, nope. Cameron Hodge has always been in the X-Men. He started out as a uh, like a lawyer with Archangel with Angel back in the day. He was kind of like um, back back in the day when X Factor first came about. Yeah, the five original X-Men. And they pretended to be mutant hunters. Right. But in reality, they would go and, you know... Save them. Save, save them or whatever. Right. And he kind of acted as their lawyer, their liaison to the government. Um, but all the while, he was really against them. And so then he was killed, and uh, but he made a deal with uh, Mephisto or Blackheart or some demon um, to have immortality. So then he took over Genosha, and there was a whole extinction agenda. That was a whole miniseries, not miniseries, but a whole big saga back in the, uh, the early, early 90s, like 1990, 1989. Um, that was just a sweet, sweet crossover. If you, if you get your hands on that trade, man, that's some good reading. Which one's this? It's called Extinction Agenda. Oh, okay. It was really good. Um, but so then, you know, he was killed, because he was originally killed by Archangel. Archangel cut off his head. But um, So then he's back now. You know, he came back with the Phalanx. Um, back in issue 304 of Uncanny X-Men, he, yeah, the Phalanx resurrected him, and uh, so he's just, he's back now. But he's never been a Spider-Man guy. He what you might might you might think that because um, I believe in the X-Men in the Spider-Man animated series, he might have been in that um, during I think they they were like going to Brand Corp or whatever the, the episodes where Beast and the other X-Men were in it. I think he might have been in that. Okay. I don't know if maybe that's where you're getting that from. I'm looking at Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 28, and I'm trying to figure out who this guy is. Um, oh, Mendel Strom is who I'm thinking of. Okay. But he's also connected to a computer too, right? Is it? I think Mendel Strom is, yeah. And is Probably because they look the same, you know? Okay, all right, all right, that's, all right, so, yeah, I got confused. I got you. All right, well, all in all, I, I'm i interested to see what goes on. I'm, I'm really interested in, in the whole mystery behind Hope and how she was born and actually who her parents were and everything. And uh, so I, I'm kind of, I've, I've never really enjoyed the whole story of the Human League and the, or everybody, even uh, during... Um, Utopia, the Dark X-Men Avengers Utopia saga or mm-hmm. crossover or whatever it was, you know, I kind of thought of that as like, okay, this is in the way or right, this is kind of a tired concept. So that's kind of secondary to me. Uh, what's in the forefront in my mind is what's going to happen next necessarily to the X-Men as a team, not the X-Men as a species. So I want to know what happens to the, the team. I want to know what happens to Hope. Um, and how she integrates with the team, and I'm really interested to see if you know Jean Grey or the Phoenix is coming back. And I think the Phoenix Force is pretty obvious; it's going to be in Hope, but I don't know if Jean's coming back. So, everything that you're interested in with the characters and everything, I'd say, is secondary to me because I really want to know the interaction of the team and how they're going to grow together and what the next step is, and not necessarily, you know, all the old characters coming back. Sure, sure, I understand. Yeah, so nothing against you, Mayo. I just no, but 
But, I mean, like, obviously, you know, you would probably be more interested in, like, a character like Swarm, you know, or Tarantula. Like, if those guys were coming back, because those are Spider-Man bad guys. Right. And they are more appealing to you, you know a lot more about them, and you don't see them hardly ever in issues, you know? Right. Whereas, that's that's how it is for me. You know, I thought all these guys were dead. They've been resurrected, and they were some of my favorite villains back in the day. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in what happens, but I don't have I don't have that much to add to this issue. Yeah, I understand. No, you got next time you come up because this is something we didn't talk to the body politic about. Is that you know you were able to come up to Ohio and we got to spend a couple hours together. We did only a couple hours. Oh man, it was yeah. so tough. It was so tough. That's what I'm saying. Is next time you come up, we'll just take like a week and you'll sit in my comic book room and we'll just do like extensive X Men. <laughs> history you know <laughs> and we'll chronicle the whole thing and release podcasts every night <laughs> <laughs> more than one a night it'll just we'll just record the whole week dude i gotta say I'll, I'll find out how much time i get off and everything but i do have to go back up there for a wedding so i'll see what's going on with that and uh i don't think jackie and the girls are coming so we'll uh man i i'll i'll, I'll say this to our listeners to the body politic out there his comic book room is insane i had no idea all right he's got one bookcase full of comic books right and so you know whatever one bookcase that's cool but on three out of four walls he's got a cityscape vinyl pad with like at least 10 sentinels that come up to your knees or or mid thighs (laughs) like hundreds of toys busts statues and all of them are in action poses it's phenomenal it's insane Really, we need to like do a photo shoot in that room and just like piece it all together into a giant, not mosaic, but collage of where everything needs to go. Oh, it it blew my mind. I wanted to spend hours upon hours in there, and my kids were destroying the the bottom floor, so I had to go down there. But it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Oh, and we didn't even get a, a picture. You got to send me that picture we took to prove that I was actually there. So. Okay. I can do that. Yeah, we'll put that up on the website. <laughs> anyway, that was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. All right, yeah, we were happy to have you up. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, let's let's uh, let's do some State of the Union, and uh, hopefully we'll get to our team. State of the Union. Uh, State of the Union, all I wanted to do was acknowledge the end of Necrotia. Um, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit, maybe next time. Um I wanted to mainly we talked about do more too, but mainly the Secret Avengers. We just got almost the final count, I think, for the Secret Avengers. Yeah. All right. What'd you think? First of all, I I, I said, I think I said Beast and War Machine, but I was comparing these pictures. And Beast in the silhouette does not have claws. War Machine does not have a gun on his upper shoulder. Uh, Valkyrie does not have the giant sword. So they were doctoring these photos, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Let's just say what we know or what we think is uh, Valkyrie, Beast. uh, We know for sure Valkyrie, Beast, Moon Knight, and War Machine. We think that it's going to be alongside them is Nova and what appears to be Steve Rogers, but he is in the Fighting American costume, 
which is um, Nelson Flagg's old costume. I don't know if you're familiar with Nelson Flagg at all, but I, I think he must have been purchased. I don't think he's natively Marvel. I thought maybe it was just like a knockoff of Iron Patriot. No, look him up, man. Look up, uh, look up Nelson Flagg and uh, the Fighting American. Is I think I put a link on there on uh, on on the Facebook. But anyway, it's it's pretty uncanny. And you know, the, oh, the president said, "Okay, we're going to need you for something, you know, bigger." He was telling Steve, so that might be Steve. And if he's not going to be Captain America anymore, and I don't know. What do you think about this team? Oh, dude, I said it on Facebook. Worst team ever. Why do you think oh, that? It's so boring. Like they, they couldn't have picked six more boring characters to interact with each other. I have just no interest in reading about any of these people interacting together. I love Beast, and I really like Captain America. But when you throw him on a team with Nova, a second-rate Iron Man, um, a, a Thor's you know girlfriend, I'm just bored to tears, and I haven't even opened up the first issue. Okay, well, I, I do. Brew Baker tweeted out a while ago. He said, "Oh, I did. I had no idea how many comics blank was in, and uh, I thought he was talking about Marvel Man because you know it seemed to fit in, in our discussion." But I think he was talking about um, um, the Fighting American, Nelson Flagg, now. And so I don't know if he's talking about them or not. But I think these captions are pretty interesting. Um, what do we got here for Captain America? He's got, or who is I lead by example? Who is that? Yeah, that, that would be him, right? All right, I act upon my convictions regardless of personal consequences. We, I said that was War Machine. I focus on the problem, not the solution. That's Beast, obviously. I'm in control of my life. That's Valkyrie. I don't understand. Where, where, what is the last time we saw her? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think she might have been in a Defenders issue a couple years ago. Okay. All right. Um, I strive for redemption. Moon Knight. That makes sense. I excel through adversity. I guess that's Nova. And I had said Nova t- before, but or somebody had said Nova, but usually you can't, you can't see his feet. So I lead by example... Yeah, that's going to have to be Steve Rogers. You know, this team, I, I think Nova, taking him out of um, space is a is a bad idea. I mean, he he's an awesome in space, but on Earth he's a second or third rate character. Moon Knight is cool. I can't really get into all his characters, so he might be cool working in a group. War Machine is just, you're right, he's boring. And Valkyrie's boring. And Beast, I'm not really into, but maybe Beast and, and Steve can get along. But, I mean, really, War Machine and Moon Knight and maybe Valkyrie seem to be all psychopaths, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I guess you would need those people on a team like this. I don't know what kind of missions they're going to go on, but Steve's going to have a hard time controlling these people. And how about Beast? Do you think we're going to be told why he now has five fingers and... Uh, he doesn't look like the Cowardly Lion anymore? Or they're just going to say, well, we decided to stop drawing him like that. Unless that's Dark Beast. Mmm. You are a clever one, Andy. Is it? Uh, it could be. I didn't even think about that. Did he not have five fingers? The current Beast does not have five fingers. He has four. I don't know. See, to me, you can make the face... The face is close enough that it could work. But the fingers... Ooh. 
You know, I don't know. Not even thought of that, man. Well, see, he left the X. He left the X Men, so it just makes sense that he would be on the Avengers, right? He would. He used to be on the Avengers, right? Yeah, but I mean, maybe that's the whole setup to kind of get you to think that way. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's a pretty good thought right there. I I like how he's the only one in this picture that has an Avengers costume, and everybody else has their own costume. <laughs> yeah. And but it's got to be that way because. He, it's the X-Men costume, but with no X's on it. Yeah. So Just a bunch of A's all over the place. Yeah, what are you going to do? All right, well, I mean, did you have anything else? I mean, we kind of talked about, we talked about Doom, Doom War before, and, uh, oh, oh, the We Are the X-Men thing. Those pictures that are coming out? Yeah, what's up with that? Okay, this is what I think, all right? I think that it's going to come to a point, if this is, if this is real, okay, it might just be a promotional it may come to a point, not that these people are on the X-Men team, but that eventually the X-Men are going to be so threatened with this Messiah complex that they're going to need everybody to come to their aid and say, all right, who's with us? And so they're not talking about the X-Men as the X-Men. They're talking about the X-Men as all mutants, sort of like the whole entire species. And so, you know, all these people are kind of on their side. Now, they're all random. Like, Nate Gray, I can understand. Electra, no. Blade, no. Lyra, or whoever, you know, the She-Hulk girl, I don't understand why she would be there. Spider-Man, I can understand that. So, I don't know. I'm thinking that this is kind of just a promotional thing. I don't, I don't know what this is supposed to be. But what's up with Jubilee as a vampire? Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, that just kind of got me. Like, what? I don't know. I'm just beside myself because it's such random characters, not only from the X-Men universe, but the Marvel universe. And then to just throw, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, throw something into something, <laughs> you Jubilee's a vampire. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really anxious, though. I want to see what's going on. They're supposed to talk more about it tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, well, we'll have to see. Check the Check the website for updates, so... Film, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so by the time this comes out, you might know everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. All right. Well, I'm good with that, and uh, let's let's go with the Tinas while we still have time. All right. The Tina Award. All right. How many Tinas did you have, sir? I've got two. What about you? I have two as well. Now, this is a kind of a new way we're going to do this segment. Um, we're going to actually say what our Tina is, and the other person has to guess how it applies. Oh, okay. Right? Right? We agreed on this? We did that, yes. Okay. All right. So, you go first. Okay. The first Tina is, we don't need another hero. We Okay, we don't need another hero. I'm going to go with S.H.I.E.L.D. introducing Leonid? No, that's with Kitty Pride returning. Oh! I thought for sure... another Kitty? I thought, you, I thought for sure you were going to do uh, something about, like, love for her or something. Oh, no, I just basically straight up, we don't need her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. You know what? I'm I'm starting to think that maybe we're not going to be good at this, so we might have to cut this. <laughs> well, let's do 
see what you got. <laughs> okay, um, total control. Close, but I was thinking Magneto bringing back Kitty because he was like in total control. But see, actually, yeah, Cyclops, I had to debate this one because I, I almost thought, yeah, the X-Men and Cyclops were going to be in total control and not tell the rest of the world that it was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. It had to do with the X-Men and bringing Kitty back. Yeah, but yours was for a totally different person. I'll give it to you. you I didn't get it. You had Magneto. Makes sense. All right. Well, he because he had to fully concentrate on bringing this. Yeah. Ah, yeah. This is kind of harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> All right. My my second and last one is, you know who is doing you know what. Now is this in? Uh, you got to give me a hint. Is this in the three issues we talked about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I try not to diverge outside of that. Okay. Oh, for the X-Force and um, hiding everybody behind their back with the killing and everything. So Yes! All right! Woo! I was doing Nightcrawler finding out about X-Force. He basically pinned them up against the wall and said, I know what's going on. <laughs> awesome! I'm so proud of me. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now this one, I'll give you a hint. Okay, this has to do, we originally said that Tina's, uh, when we originally listed them out back in episode two or whatever it was, this one was because it took both of us to uh, figure out what was going on. So it's It Takes Two. Yes, it, yeah. I uh, maybe gave you too big a hint, but well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me a lot of hints. <laughs> but I, I didn't want to stray, like you said, too far from what we talked about. But yeah, I, I thought for sure, and you kind of, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if this would have held true, but it, the first time I read it, I was so confused. I had no idea what was going on. So I picked that Tina, and then I, I read the Wikipedia entry, and I figured. Well, he's going to have to tell me what's going on here. So, <laughs> I thought you had more inside information than I did. But as far as I know, Leonardo da Vinci hasn't shown up in many uh, Marvel comics. No, <laughs> I don't think so. All right, well, it looks like we're going to make this podcast in even two hours. So let's, uh, let's give our contact information. Did you have anything else? No, I'm good. Let's take it home. <clears throat> All right. Again, visit our website at uh, www.marvel616politics.com. It's going to be new and improved and have graphics uh, because Mr. Mayo requested them. He said our our current one is boring, and I I guess I agree with him. It's very utilitarian. Um, You can email us, and please feel free to keep sending us questions at at, uh, marvel616politics at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter. We've been getting a lot more followers, so that's good. Uh, it's at 616politics or twitter.com slash 616politics. And look us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash marvel616politics. Uh, just during this podcast, we've had a lot of discussion going on. And then you can also give us a call, leave us comments, ask us questions. Uh, we've got some more questions for next week, but we'd love to add to that. 
at uh, 616-755-TINA. And we'll play your voicemail on the air if uh, it's appropriate. So Yeah. <laughs> so if you're calling on your drunk birthday, we might not be able to play that. Lucky that only happens one time a year. And until next time, make yours Marvel 616 Politics. Thanks. Good night. That's the least that God asks of us, so that's what we do.